Dave from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds. It's the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. Let me do that again because I kind of screwed it up. Dave from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. How are you doing, Darren? Doing okay, doing okay. Um, you know, uh, I'm living a life, chasing a dream. I don't want to brag, but uh, somebody's got an appointment to get their first uh, vaccination shot. Ooh. So, you know, big things happening. Big well, things. Well, you made some calls. You you. Made use yeah. of your connections. I called my high-powered friends. I was like, "Get me this vaccine, this vaccine stat." Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, uh, P Diddy on the other line was like, "Sure thing, play a player." And uh, he made some calls, that, that, pulled that some sounds strings. Completely plausible. Yep, made some calls, pulled some strings. Uh, you know, sent some faxes, uh, sent some tweets, uh, beeped somebody on their pager, and uh, so after all that happened. I have an appointment to get my first vaccine shot this uh, coming Saturday. Uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to finally being able to see people face to face without wearing a mask and hugging and kissing. Uh, you know, my wife, of course, and maybe other people too. Like, uh, oh, oh, okay, so like, like family members. Vaccine, and and you're apparently you're going to start having an open marriage. All right. No, no, no. I meant like you know my kissing my parents on the cheek and stuff. Okay. All right. I'm not. I'm not out here in these streets, fella. Don't, don't you, don't you label, don't you put that label on me, man. Okay, okay. Don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't. I don't have a vaccine sketch yet. I do. I do. Apparently, have some new downstairs neighbors now. Um, oh, looks all like right. some new people uh, moved in, and uh, judging from all the noise they were making last night, uh, um, they may be douchebags. Oh, what do you? What is it like? A like a lot of, uh, you know, techno pumping music and. Um, there wasn't a lot. There wasn't techno pumping music. There was, you know, some requests to Alexa for them to play various songs, and they had some people over, and they were kind of noisy. You know, maybe that's because they don't have a lot of furniture in the place yet. I don't know. I'm gonna see how it goes, but so mm. far, not not impressed. Not a fan. Oh dear. All right. So, but hey, they're they're a... being quiet while I'm recording, so that's that's good. Okay, so we're off to a rocky start with the new downstairs neighbors. You well, we'll see. Have you... We'll see. I think I think there's I think they're young people. Oh, the youth. Yeah, yeah, I used to have like a mother and her daughter, her young daughter, uh, down there, and they they were nice. They were quiet. They didn't make noise. So that's really all I asked for the neighbor. But okay, so all right. yeah, looks like we'll see. We'll see. Right. You don't. You don't want to become the the cranky old upstairs neighbor just just quite yet. Like you're 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 waiting to see how this unfolds. Um. You know. No. I have no problem being a cranky upstairs neighbor. I mean, I just okay. don't want them to be douchebags. Got it. Like yeah. so, you have no problem with like grabbing a broom and like stomping the ground, but like you kids keep it down down no, there. I don't know. I'm too passive aggressive for that. You know. Oh. Um. It t- it takes a lot for me to like actually get into that <laughs> space. I, I one of the previous neighbors, I had the the kid who was like uh, practicing. He was kicking soccer balls and he was kicking soccer balls into my window. Um, that wait what? Yeah, yeah. He was, and there are brick walls literally everywhere in my apartment complex. So it's like, yeah, kick the ball against a brick wall, not against a glass window that can break. Dude, what the yeah, fuck is that about? That I don't know, but I got in that kid's face. I was like, no, yeah. you are not doing that. 
he like I mean I understand if he did that once and it was a mistake, but he like repeatedly did it. Um, well, I mean, he was doing it. This was like just one instance of it, but yeah, no, it hit my window a few times. No, you, no, you gotta, you gotta regulate. You gotta I was, I was very glad when that family moved away. Yeah, that's that's disrespectful. I would, this is what I'm saying. Yes, like if I were you, I would like get a switchblade, stab that soccer ball in front of the kid, and then to send a message. Well, and, I mean, that seems a little excessive now that they've moved away. Um, you can still do it. Find I could. Out where they, I could. I could try to track them down somehow and intimidate that kid for uh, an incident he probably doesn't even remember at this point. Find out where they moved to. Go to their house. Find the kid. Maybe I mean he's probably like a grown man by now or whatever. Or yeah, he's older. probably at least in high school. <laughs> okay. Well, either way, <laughs> you take the soccer ball, stab it in front of him, and be like, you know, pay back some motherfucker, and then you. Okay. Yeah, this seems like a rational response. It's the long. It's the long. Uh, Revenge. Okay. Uh, distance. All right. It's, it's, it's a dish best served cold, John. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Khan Noonien Singh would not lie to me. That's right. Um, all right. So <laughs> we are here uh, not to discuss uh, getting vaccines and our downstairs neighbors, uh, but uh, we're here to discuss the latest episode of SNL. And in this case, it's episode uh, 17 from season 46 from April 10th. 2021. Oh, no, by the way, I just realized after our episode went up last week, I accidentally said March instead of April because I wasn't used to the new month yet. So Because time means nothing. Because time means nothing. You know, who knows? Um, and it's uh, hosted by Kerry Mulligan and with musical guest Kid Cuddy. Yeah. Uh, first time host for both of them. Uh, first time we've seen Kerry Mulligan. First time Kid Cuddy. Uh, Kerry Mulligan, of course, you know, she just recently won an award. Not won it. She didn't win it. She got nominated for an Oscar for a promising young woman, which is that in, which is that in theaters now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kid Cudi, um, he's been around for a while. I, th- I think I remember him from that one song he had, "Day and Night," which is like his kind of mainstream breakthrough hit. It's like it's a nice catchy song, and uh, you know he's been putting out music uh, for a while now. Uh, yeah, he goes back one. further than I realized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I, also, I think he's pretty good friends with uh, Pete too. So, I mean, I don't know if that had anything to do with him being on. But, uh, uh, yeah, apparently so. Apparently so. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So far, going in, I was uh, pretty. You know, it, it sounded like a very interesting lineup. I was mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing how this would uh, play out. And uh, yeah, I mean, oh, well, we'll get into it. But overall, that was an okay show. You know, had ups and downs. Yeah, I was looking forward to this one just because I I know Carrie Mulligan's a really. Uh... Uh, talented actor and uh it you know it's it's neat to see what someone who's mostly known for drama does on on a comedy show and uh yeah i and i will say you know spoiler alert she did not disappoint yeah uh i mean i think we had this i had this sort of the same kind of uh you know apprehension that you did with um daniel kaluuya because you know he Mm -hmm. was a british actor basically known for drama but then i found out he has done comedy and he, I thought he knocked it out of the ballpark on his episode last week. And uh, so going in, we have another British actor, Kerry Mulligan, uh, known for drama. So I was like, all right, let's see what happens. And uh, yeah, not, it was not, not too shabby, I'll say. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, starting out, we had the cold open. Uh, it's called Minnesota News, uh, which is a uh, Minnesota news magazine called Ion Minnesota. And they're talking about the uh, trial of uh, Derek Chauvin. Right. Uh, so this one has Ego, Keenan uh, sitting on one side as news anchors. And on the other side, we get Kate and Alex. 
sitting on the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so basically, it's them discussing the Derek Chauvin, Chauvin or Chauvin, Derek. You know, the, the, yeah, the yeah, 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 shooty cop guy, right? Shooty cop guy. Uh, just talking about the how the case is going on and how it's you know it's all these horrible things coming to light, and of course the uh, you know Kate and Alex saying, well, this of course. We can all agree this is a horrible tragedy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we can also all agree that there's no way that Derek, you know, goes free after this. He's definitely going to prison. Well, and of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so Keenan and Ego's characters, uh, they're skeptical, uh, let's say. Right. Because Keenan's like, look, y'all seem like good people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we've seen this movie before. Um, right, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's the premise of the sketch. This is basically them saying, well, there's so much evidence. Like, you know, it's it, it, they'd be fools to, you know, let him go or it'd be insane that he'd get off. But, right. you know, of course, uh, Ego and Keenan are like, yeah, well, we'll, we're, I mean, of course. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I don't, they, they are very resigned to the fact that it, it, it may not go their way. Um, and, right. and I also liked what, what Kate and, and Alex were doing where they're just kind of dancing around it and they're, tr- they're trying not to say the wrong thing and they're trying to find some common ground. Um, and at one right. point they were like, oh no, Really? I really want to hear what Craig Jorgensen has to say about the black experience. And first off, I just love that name. That's such a great name. Craig, yeah. You you hear the name Craig Jorgensen, you know you know what you're getting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh then at some at one point they cut it over to uh, Chris Red, who's like the weatherman. Yeah. They want to get his takes on it. And of course he's like, Hey man, I don't I don't don't put me in the middle of this. I'm yeah. still in trouble after the being in the the Paul Pierce party. Yeah, yeah, he's like, don't drag me into this. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I, I, everybody had I, I, some definite notes to play. Um, you know, I liked... It was edgier than the usual SNL cold open. I felt like this was something they wrote for deeper into the show, and then they, they moved it up to the cold open when they saw how strong it was. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, as for this being the cold open... it. It really took me by surprise because, mm-hmm. like you said, it's a lot more edgier than a cold open usually is. It's not really. I mean, I guess it is sort of politically charged. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It's not like the stereotypical cold opens we've been getting for the past few. Yeah, years. and I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. No, me too. I, it's. Uh, it, yeah, it wasn't, and I like that it wasn't. It was more, much more focused than the cold opens usually are. Usually, the cold opens they try to do this big roundup of like, okay, here's three or four notable things that happened this week, and we're going to try and find a thread that connects them all. And this mostly just focused on the trial, right. and uh, and I think it was the, uh, all the stronger for it. Um, right, right, yeah, no, that's the same thing. It's, uh, I mean, I've, I've said this before in other episodes where, like in the other cold opens, I try to touch on they to try to touch on all these different topics that have happened in the past week so it becomes like this kind of this big old mishmash patchwork of yeah a sketch and it doesn't really kind of mean you kind of almost forget it as soon as, as soon as you see it just because it's so much and it's like too much of everything but with this one it's like you said it's more focused on the one thing about you know this case that's happening uh and like discussions that people are actually have are having at one point uh, I think Alex and Kate say, you know, well, all right, we can't we can't agree that 
you know, he'll definitely go to jail. But we we can't agree. We don't want more riots to happen because we, as we can all agree, destroying property is never the answer. And then yeah. Ego and uh, Keenan like, well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they have insurance. Yeah, it was bringing up a lot of good points. I, I really, I really dug the sketch quite a bit. This, I dare I say, this might have been a sketch of the night for me. Uh, it's it, it's certainly up there for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's up there. Do you do you know who wrote this one? I didn't get uh, any info uh, on the writers for this week. I believe this is a Che and a Gary Richardson joint, which which would make this you dropped out there for a minute. A Che and who else? Oh, uh, Gary Richardson. Okay, which would be a par for the course because this does seem this does have the uh, f- the fingerprints of Che mm-hmm. all over it. Yes. Uh, let me. I'll, I'll check and see, but I'm pretty sure it's it, it's yeah. And I I liked at the end they they said you know. Oh, and, and hey, we lost some royalty yesterday. And then the black anchors are re- are immediately thought they were talking about DMX. And the white anchors yeah. were, of course, talking about Prince Philip. <laughs> and they were like, no, 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 the prince. And then it goes like, no, girl, prince has been dead. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I, th- I think it even had a strong ending where they, where, um, they were like, okay, well, the one thing we can all agree on is that Matt, Matt gets his is not good. And then they got to Chris Red as Calvin, the weatherman. And he's like, well, Hey, 17's not that young. And yeah. So that was like, Whoa, Whoa. Yeah. yeah and, whoa. Calvin's, and they're like, Calvin, this is why you got in trouble before. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, from what I'm seeing, this was written by Michael Che, Josh pattern. Oh, Josh Patton. Sorry. And Gary Richardson. All right, cool. Well, well done. Um, yeah, this really liked it. I, I thought it really got the show off to a strong start. Yeah, no, fantastic. Uh, cold open. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so next we had the uh, monologue with Carrie Mulligan. Uh, came out in uh, this really interesting hot pink. I thought it was a jumpsuit at first, but it's actually like like a two piece thing. Yeah, it's, it's the hottest of pinks. Yeah, and uh, she's got like this weird strap thing coming off her shoulders, like going outside yeah. her her sleeves, which I don't yeah. know what that was for, but it looked interesting. Yeah, she was like dressed like a highlighter. Yes, yeah. I mean, it was very intense pink. Um, and then she comes out and she says, they told me I'm the very first English person to host this show. And and then she just gradually realized that that was not true. They literally had a British host last week. Yeah, yeah. And Eric Idle in the 70s. And Eric Idle in the 70s. And, yeah, yeah. and New But those are the only English people. That, that, that's it. That's, yeah, that's, that's it. All. No. Yep. Yeah. No that's Daniel it. Craig, nothing. Nope. Um... Don't bother to look it up, people. Don't fact test us. Nope, nope, nope. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was this was good. She she was it was a, it was a strong monologue. Um, she talked about how she'd been uh, quarantining in the English countryside with her husband and two small children, which she says is the start of a horror movie. Yeah, um, she also yeah. I mean, she also mentions how she gets confused with uh, Michelle Williams, the actress. Which mm-hmm. uh, that is something I have done on numerous occasions. I've constantly confusing her with Michelle Williams. I don't think I've ever mixed those two up. Uh, yeah. Maybe just because I knew uh, Michelle Williams decently. So, uh, from uh, Dawson's Creek or something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, and then I mean, so I don't want to wait for my life to be over. Ooh. Just. I want to know right now what will it be. I really like, want to see yes or will it be sorry. I, I think those doing... are the lyrics of that song. Yeah. I think. 
You did it like a William Shatner spoken word. What was I, that? I, that's because I was like half remembering. I think that's that's why Shatner pauses. He's like searching for his lines. Mr. Tambourine Man! <laughs> Mr. Tambourine Man. Mr. Tambourine Man. Mr. Tambourine Man. Okay. Well, transformed uh, man, if, if you want to check it out. Uh, you, 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 it must be listened to at least once. Right. Half our listeners... Know exactly what we're talking about, and the other half are like, "What the? F- what are they? What are they talking about? What the fuck?" Yeah, Mister, T- the Transformed Man by William Shatner. It's an album he did in the seventies. It listening to it is one of the experiences a person must have. Right. Just and yep. also go on YouTube and uh, watch his rendition of Rocket Man from the Saturn Awards. Holy moly! I guess I got it. I guess my. Have you not uh, we- seen that? I have not seen that. Whoa. Oh my god! I'm sending you a link. I'm sending you. you a link. You are watching this. Oh, it is brilliant. My weekend is set. Gonna, <laughs> yes, yes. Lights. I'm gonna dim the lights, light some candles. Uh, but <laughs> but sh- but back to the, the Carrie Mulligan monologue. Um, oh right. She talked about how her husband uh, is actually a three-time guest, uh, musical guest of SNL. Uh, it's Marcus Mumford from Mumford and Sons. I had no idea that they were married. Me neither. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out that he's in the audience and she's like, why aren't you watching our children? He's like, oh no, I left them with the sons. Uh, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Didn't get a laugh. Yeah. Uh, this actually surprised me because, uh, I mean, f- for one thing, I didn't know she was married to one of the Mumford and sons. And another thing, this dude's kind of funny. Yeah. He, he really had a nice natural comedic presence to him. He's like, hey, do you know if they they booked a musical guest? Because uh, I I brought my guitar just in case. And he's he's just so giddy. You can't yeah. not like the guy. He has this big cheesy smile on his face throughout the whole thing. It's like, yeah. and it, it's like you know, did, did I have a guest? Because I got my guitar. I could like, yeah. play a little yeah. ditty or what or whatnot. And at one point, she's <laughs> like, you know, well, you know, if if you want to play under me while I'm saying like we have a great musical guest, and oh, you're already on stage. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was. They. they I mean. Of course, the two of them would have great rapport because they're, they're married. Yeah, really. yeah. There's a there's a rhythm there, but like I did not expect for the dude from Mumford and Sons to like have comedy chops. That was, that 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 shocked me. Well, you know, they've done some humorous videos. I mean, I know they had like they did uh, some video or another with uh, Jason Bateman and a few other people, and then so they obviously have a sense of humor. Um, I liked, oh, I liked at one point he started playing and. He's like, oh, I thought you gave me the secret signal to start playing. And and Carrie Mulligan just says in that very dry British way, she's like, okay, first off, I'm horrified that you think we have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, like, uh, but yeah, this I was I was digging this this monologue. I thought it was, yeah, it was pretty good. I one of the stronger monologues they've done this season. I I'm I'm feeling really good about this show at this point. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, so next up. Game show. What's wrong with this picture? Yeah, right. what's wrong with this picture? Twenty twenty one. They've done this uh, at least two or three times before. Yeah, so I did it with uh, Paul Rudd and uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Hmm. So only twice before. Okay. Well, they also did a, a an at home with this too. If you want. Oh, to okay. Well, there you go. That's why I was thinking. Um, so we had Keenan as the half vaccinated host, Elliot Pants. Love that name. <laughs> Uh, we had the sponsor KY Jam, <laughs> mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, a, it's the usual thing where the the contestants are trying to guess what's wrong in a picture, but they're all very clueless and they all have really bizarre guesses. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty much a, a cut and paste of the last three times they've done it, but just mm-hmm. with, uh, 
different weirder answers. Yeah. Um, I think a one picture they showed a woman who just gave birth and yeah. has a baby in her arms and he's like, what's wrong with this picture? And then I think 80 says, oh, well, the husband in this picture is bald and way too small. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's, um, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. This one, I was like, I've seen this before. Like I've seen this, I've seen this three times before. You didn't, you didn't do anything to sort of switch it up. I don't. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like this is like a reliable sketch for them to go back to. And I don't feel like they've done it so much that they've totally driven it into the ground. Um, I feel like they're getting close to that though. Yeah. I feel like they've probably got a, gotten about as much mileage out of it as they can, but this one definitely had some, some laughs in it for me. Um, like oh, in the, in the the baby picture that you were just talking about, the thing that was actually wrong was the clock had letters instead of numbers. And so at one point, uh, Keenan says, "Look at the doctor's clock," and Chris Red just goes, "Well, I can't. His robe is covering it." And that, yeah, that was good. I I like that, and I also like later on they had they had a picture of a pizza party, and they said, "What's wrong with this picture?" Oh yeah, that pizza's leftover from a porn set. But good on them for not wasting it. <laughs> So I mean, this this definitely had some some laughs in it for me. It did. It, I mean, it it like we said, it is one of those sort of formulaic sketches where you just like you know take out the old jokes, put in the new jokes, but you yeah. keep the same format. So depending on like how much you like the jokes, that'll depend. That'll kind of yeah. vary on how much you like the sketch. It so, doesn't really but, have the surprise of the new anymore. So it it really does live or die on how solid the jokes are. Right. Um, I mean, and I thought the jokes on this were pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I guess this this sketch also sort of had the same issue that another sketch had later on in this episode, which we'll get to later. Mm, but uh, but yeah, I thought this was okay. But I was like, yeah, I kind of, I mean, I do like it. I do, I love Chris Red. I think Chris Red, the way he his yeah. character was doing it, like he kind of had a little bit more energy and oomph I mean, to it. Stupid people with conviction is a really really funny thing, and Chris Red. It did that really well in the sketch. He was a standout hey, in the sketch, I thought. Yeah. Hey, that's how I live my life. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Chris, like, yeah, well, like when he would say things like, you know, what's wrong with this picture? He would say, oh, I know there's no dogs in it. I like dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like stuff like that made me laugh. Yeah. Like, All right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Keenan, of course, is getting more and more flustered. I, I feel like Keenan's not as strong of a game show host as he could be, but but he was good in the sketch. Yeah, I think that might be it too. Like, you need to see him get more. I don't know. Because, like, I, I kind of try to think about, like, why something like this doesn't hit with me the same way, like, um, like a Celebrity Jeopardy sketch would. Because, like, the Celebrity mm-hmm. Jeopardy, it's kind of the same thing where it's uh, Alex Trebek getting all flustered and upset over these uh, celebrities who are very dumb and give dumb answers. And But it's the same format, just different jokes. And, you know, this uh, game show is kind of kind of like that, where. He gets angry at these contestants who give dumb answers, but like I'm more amused by the Celebrity Jeopardy than I am with uh, what's wrong with this picture. So I was trying to figure out, well, why do I like this one more than? Well, I mean, yeah, Celebrity Jeopardy is a little more about the wordplay, I guess. Um, you know, with the with the categories and all that. Um, yeah, but I, I think this was fine. I think it's also you need a really strong host uh, for the game show sketches like Will Ferrell as Alex Trebek or Bill Hader as literally any host. Mm. Uh, and and Keenan's not quite at that level. I, I think he did a fine job. I just don't feel like, you know, and everybody's going to suffer in comparison to Bill Hader when you're doing a game show sketch. Yeah, I mean, he's like, he's, I mean, it's Bill Hader. Good he's Lord. the king. He's the king. 
He's the king. Um, so next, uh, we had a pre-tape. Uh, this was a IBS medicine ad, an ad for uh, Tremfalta, which is a medicine for irritable bowel syndrome. Where... Uh, right. So, uh, so we it's a commercial. We look, we go and see Carrie Mulligan and Mikey Day are a couple who are at their child's recital in, uh, at school. And as the recital's going on, the mother, Carrie Mulligan, has uh, IBS, and she, she's, mm-hmm. she's, she's got to take a doo-doo. So she uh, she excuses herself to go to the bathroom. And, of while... course, misses her kid performing. Yeah, and the, the, you know, the, the son is a crestfallen. Yeah. And, of course, as she leaves, uh, one of the mother notices that you know she, has, she had to poo-poo. So she gives her uh, Tremfalta so she yeah. can control her IBS and not miss her son's recital. And get back to living. Get back yeah, to life. Yeah, and and the joke in this is like af- after Carrie Mulligan returns to her seat, we have Keenan as the janitor and Aidy as like a teacher, and they're looking at the mess she made in the bathroom, and they're cutting off the reading of the side effects and all that. Right, because whatever she left in the bathroom, it's so horrific mm-hmm. that they're like, "Oh my god, what if it? It's on the yeah. walls. Who did this?" Like, and so they they have to interrupt the recital and just talk about how horrible it is. Um, and and it ends with uh, uh, Carrie Mulligan just threatening her friend Lauren Holt, just saying, "If you say anything, I will destroy your life." Um, right? Because I, I thought know, this was okay. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a, a poo poo sketch. I, I think it's one where uh, the performances really elevated it. Uh, Carrie Mulligan, I, I thought in particular, I, her expressions as she was sitting, like just kind of squirming in her seat. You know, both right. from irritable bowel syndrome and from the the social discomfort. I think I thought those were both great. Keenan was nice, just freaking out over everything. Like, uh, I have kids. Yeah. So I I thought it was okay. I thought it was elevated by the performances, however. And you know, um, it's good to see that uh, Gary Mulligan's just game for anything. I'll I'll give you that because yeah, because I got I think at one point when the teacher and the uh, janitor were asking who did this, who left this. Mm-hmm. Who left this mess in the bathroom? And Mikey Day's character looks at his wife and says, "Hey, weren't you in the bathroom?" Yeah, and, and she just like gives him gives him a stone cold look and saying, "Shut the fuck up." Yeah, yeah. I th- I was like, "All right, that's yeah." I- I'll give you that. Like, I thought the sketch would have was okay, but it's like you said, like Carrie Mulligan and the other performances helped uh, pump it up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. So next we had Study Buddy. Uh, this was with Carrie uh, Mulligan and. And, uh, Kate McKinnon as Josh, who they're having a, a study session and they sit in a, a, a seat together. They called it a Papasan seat. Is that right? That sounds racist, but uh, I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just wrote it down phonetically. I'd never realized that those types of chairs had a specific name for them. But yeah, they, I thought they were just like wicker seats. or Yeah, like... yeah. The big round wicker cushiony thing. Um, but it's like a fancy uh, futon. Yeah, but but Carrie Mulligan's character is kind of flirting with uh, Kate's character a bit, and he gets nervous, and so he decides to call up his best friend Jason to get some pointers. And uh, Jason is played by Aidy Bryant. Right. So uh, basically, it's a you know it's a Kate and Aidy sketch. Uh, this was written by uh, Anna Dresden and Allison Gates, and uh, yeah, it's interesting to see kind of Kate and Aidy both play teenage boys. But like a very kind of specific teenage boy, mm-hmm. like the kind of dorky, nerdy kind of dude that like kind of talks like an old man, yeah, <laughs> in a weird way. 
Like, uh, like I think at one point, Kate, Kate says to uh, the girl over at his house, uh, Carrie Mulligan, like, well, my mother won't be home for three-fourths of an hour. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, I don't know if I knew guys like that in my school, but maybe maybe I did. I yeah, I, I, yeah, there were some good lines in this. I like, uh, you know, when uh, Kate or, or Josh calls up Jason, Jason goes, I'm glad you called me because I did have a girlfriend at graphic design camp. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and uh, I liked when uh, Jason advises Josh, like, whisper a, a secret centrally into her ear, and Josh whispers, one species of jellyfish is immortal. <laughs> and she, like, she's into it, and then he goes yeah. back to the phone. He's like, yeah, somehow that worked. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah, do, I, do? Uh, yeah I mean, this was like a slice-of-life sketch. Um, it has a certain charm to it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it definitely kind of reminded me. Uh, I mean, a lot of people say it reminded them of uh, maybe shows like uh, Pen Fifteen and uh, that new show Chad that Nasir Drad is doing, or maybe even like Freaks and Geeks, or even if you want to go all the way back, it kind of maybe reminded me of the old uh, the Nerd sketch, like the Lisa Lupner Tadile Muka a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, it uh, it definitely had a I don't know I, I, I thought it was okay I thought it was all right I, I kind of was more interested in it than I found it funny i guess if that's anything yeah yeah i can see that i can see that um yeah i for me it didn't really rise above okay i thought the performances were good but i this one didn't send me in a big way but it was fine yeah like i mean the character work was good i did find a little distracting the way like carrie mulligan was just kind of looking straight ahead Mm -hmm. into the camera i mean i don't know if that was what her character was supposed to do but it just seemed like she was just like staring straight ahead into the camera at the cue cards and i was like i I mean, even though like she was talking to uh, Kate's character, who you know, who was right behind, right next to her, but instead of looking at him and talking to him, she was like looking into the camera. It's like, well, I, don't, I, I, don't I think that's just because like uh, Kate's character Josh was on the phone, and I think you know Carrie had to be like semi oblivious and not realize that he wasn't really talking to his doctor. Got it. So, all right. Uh, I mean, that yeah. was that was what I got out of it anyway. Okay, but yeah, overall, that was I thought it was charming. Uh, and uh, interesting. Also, mm-hmm. I mean that, that that sounds like an insult, but you know, it, I thought it was all right, but wasn't like wasn't groundbreaking. I thought. Okay, next we had a uh, pre-tape, uh, a music video with uh, Chris Red, Pete Davidson, and Little Cuddy. Uh, weird little flute. Yeah, so uh, it's a, another rap video with uh, Pete Davidson. This he's this is his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's you know it's, it's them. Pete, in Pete the, and Chris. I mean, that yeah. it's consistently those two. Yes, they're the Kate Nady of hip hop. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's that was pretty clever. I'm happy. It's what I've that. always said. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's them in the club, and they say, yeah, we got the clothes, we got the, we got the, you know, we got the, we got the crystal, we got the, we got the jewelry, and uh, and we got our weird little flute. And it's them playing flutes in yeah. throughout the. So I it, guess it's just kind of talking about the tendency of some hip hop songs to have weird little flutes in it, and they they give a couple examples like the Beastie Boys "Sure Shot," you know the. Yeah, yeah, J- Jeremy Steig or Steig. Yeah, uh, and, and they yeah. mentioned another song, uh, "Mask Off," which I, that... I'm not familiar with that song. I didn't look it up though. That I didn't know. I know. And they also mentioned uh, Jay-Z used a flute in Big Pimpin'. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, that's kind of the thing when I saw the sketch. I was like, is flutes in a 
people it's rappers using flutes in their song is that like that's not that big a thing to be a thing mm-hmm. like you hear you hear flutes in hip hop you know now and again but you don't hear it enough that it's like uh what's what's the word I'm looking for that's a cliche trend. yeah it's like like even they they said oh yeah there was like a flute in uh that Beastie Boys song from the 90s and yeah then, and that, you know that's going back a ways at this point yeah like i've heard flutes in hip hop songs are great but i don't hear it so much that it's like like i said like a cliche or nothing it's yeah. not i i never hear like oh you know how rappers are with their flutes <laughs> yeah yeah you know, um, but mm. I, I thought this was okay uh it didn't really need to be three and a half minutes yeah but i, I do know people love these uh pete rap videos yeah uh it was cool to see uh timothy chalamet make a quick appearance out of nowhere i i thought that was very random i was just like really we we should have done like an allison hannigan uh cameo but uh Ooh. right nice one time right. at band camp oh. exactly Exactly. That, and, and you know, case. we had a little twist at the end where it, it turns out that they're actually in a music store and they're just kind of freaking out in the music store and then they end up buying all the flutes in the music store because they're very reasonably priced, apparently. Yeah, I didn't know flutes were so affordable. Yeah, apparently only about 80 bucks, so. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah I, I would have liked this more if it was like two minutes. Uh, as it was, it mostly made me want to watch the beastie boys share shot again which oh, i did damn straight dude do you have the um that uh anthology double disc uh, dvd like the criterion collection of it of the beastie boys videos no it's worth getting my friend it's, all right all right it is uh, i will get that you will get uh william shatner uh the transform man and uh <laughs> we'll see which one's better done <laughs> i don't know why i don't know why mtv doesn't take these ideas and use them I and mean, we're we, we're all, we have our fingers on the pulse of what kids want today in music. I don't know. And uh, since uh, Kid Cudi uh, cameoed in the uh, music video, uh, that gives us a perfect segue into his musical guest segments. Um, Woo! His first number was Tequila Shots, and he had a really impressive light show in that. Oh, yeah. They're like lasers everywhere. It's like Tron. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at, at something like that, and I'm just like, how the heck did you even set that up? It's so I don't know. And and he's he was wearing a Chris Farley T-shirt. Did you notice that? I did. I did. Uh, I think well for both performances. I think a lot of people were focused on what he was wearing. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I mean, I guess we'll get into it too. Like because uh, on his first performance at uh, Tequila Shots, like you said, he yeah. was wearing a uh, Chris Farley T-shirt. Right. And then on his second performance, uh, which was called Hold on, Hold on, I got it. It was called it, Sad People. Sad people. Yeah, he yeah. was he was wearing a floral dress. Yeah, and I didn't know what that was about, but apparently that was like a uh, Kurt Cobain uh, tribute. Uh, yeah, because uh, you know last week was the anniversary of Kurt Cobain's death. Mm-hmm. So if you notice, and when he performed uh, Tequila Shots, he was also wearing like a like this ratty green cardigan sweater. I actually put in my notes. I put like he was wearing a Kurt Cobain kind of sweater, and I just right. wore a real. Kurt Cobain vibe from him, so it's interesting that that was intentional. So, so that was a uh, yeah, because Kurt Cobain like he once wore the dress uh, a dress at the MTV Movie Awards, I think. Right. I mean, he's worn he's worn dresses there. He, I mean, he in the video for In Bloom, they're all wearing dresses. So I uh-huh. guess he's been he's been known to rock a a lovely a lovely lady wear once mm-hmm. in a while. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, you know, bold uh, choices for clothes. 
Uh, although I do, it does seem like more people are talking about what he's wearing rather than the actual music, which I, I thought was yeah, nice. I mean, I, was, well, I mean, the, I mean, the music. If you're, okay. you're going to wear like a sundress, if, you, if you're a dude and you're wearing a sundress, you're probably going to get some attention for that. Um, yeah. I, I like the first number tequila shots uh, more than sad people. Sad people didn't grab me as much, but I, I like tequila shots. I thought that was a good number. Yeah. I mean, he's always been like a good rapper. He's like, he kind of came in like during the, uh, the early aughts during, mm-hmm. at that time when um, hip hop was becoming more, I guess, emo. I guess a mm-hmm. lot of people kind of feel like he was like one of those emo rappers where he was kind of talking about his emotions and feelings and his, uh, issues with uh, mental illness and whatnot and so he was he was getting more deeper and more kind of angsty with his hip-hop which i guess a lot of people just weren't used to or still aren't used to in in hip-hop these days so like for him to sort of do that and you know come out wearing a dress is like a pretty uh strong stance uh but i mean as far as the music goes yeah i think the music's pretty solid it's good you know i think those are those all right yeah so so all right. thumbs up to you, Mr. Cuddy. Thumbs, thumbs up. up. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Next, uh, we had a, a what I understand is a regular feature on Saturday Night Live. It is called mm. Weekend Update with uh, mm. Colin Jost and Michael Che. Is it pronounced Che or Che? I don't know. I'm not going to commit myself to one pronunciation. As you shouldn't. As I shouldn't. Um, so, yeah, again, uh, starting out with a story about uh, Matt Gates, um, and again, Colin, how is Colin Joe's not playing this guy? I th- like. I'm looking at. The they put up t- a picture of Matt Gates <laughs> next to Colin Joe's, and it's it is like you were seeing double. You all you have to do is like mess up with Joe's hair, most of Joe's hair a little bit. Yeah, and you got you got Gates. I they mean, have the same Bob's big boy slash Beavis and Butthead hairstyle. They got the same smile. I'm looking at a screen cap right now yeah. of the two of them. They had, they literally have the same smile. Like yeah, literally, I mean, literally. Jost, Jost is less creepy, but you know that's only because most carbon-based forms of life are less creepy than than Matt Gates. But oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, they did. A, they did have a good line where they said that Matt Gates looks like all the dudes in American Pie combined. Uh, yeah, that was. I mean, I mean no lie. Uh, yeah. They had a good few good jabs where we're talking about how Gates was giving, uh, you know, the women money through Venmo, saying it's for you know, their college tuition or something. Right. And and then of course uh, Joe said, "Well, this proves that he's the only congressman helping out with student loans." Yeah, yeah, that was that was a good line. That was a good yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. Um, che, I thought had a brilliant, brilliant joke where they were talking about because apparently you know Donald Trump is calling for a boycott of Coca Cola. And Jay says, I would have guessed John, Don Jr. would have had the problem with Coke, which, yeah, brilliant. He's on, yeah, he's, he's on something. He's, he's riding that train of white. <laughs> uh, allegedly. I mean, we don't know. Allegedly. Sure. allegedly don't. Yeah. Um, don't, come but, for, uh, don't come for me. I, I thought the brilliance of that joke was, you know, they're obviously talking about Coca-Cola. And, I mean, just the double meaning of that I thought was just genius. Right. No. Well. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I dug it. Uh, they also had. He also had this one uh, great joke. Uh, che. I think this was my favorite one about uh, Will I Am. Mm-hmm. With with uh, Will I Am is making this new mask. Yeah. Uh, face mask that has an air filter, a Bluetooth, noise and no, noise cancelling earbuds. And uh, he's coming out with that for the people. Or and just hear me out. 
just get the vaccine, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. I thought that was a good line. And then it, he tagged it with saying, like, Will, I am. I'm, I love you and all, but, uh, you know, you need to stop. You need to come out with a new hit or else you're going to be Will, I was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bam! There, was, there was one joke that Shay had where he talked about he was getting a text message eligible for the vaccine, and he says, and I click on the link, and it's this guy, and the, they cut to this big, beefy uh, black man. And I'm assuming that guy's name was supposed to be Vaccine. Is, is that guy a porn star or something? I, 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 I feel so. like I missed something there. I think so. I think it was like some picture of a dude trending that has like a huge hog. Okay. Okay. I, I don't, guys. I, I, I mean, I don't know about things like this. I'm pure as a driven snow. I don't yeah. know. I don't know about these uh, pornographies and whatnot. They're, you know. So uh, if you, just let us know. Don't tweet at. Don't tweet us a picture or anything like that. Don't, don't us send know. us links. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't send us links. <laughs> don't send us pictures. You can just. You can just send us a nice text message and just let let us know w- using words. <laughs> yeah. Hey, SNL nerds, here's what that meant. Just click on this link below to find the answer. No, no, we are not clicking on that link. <laughs> Blocked and deleted. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I So I felt like, I was like, I, I think I can get this from context clues, but I don't know. Am yeah. I supposed to know who that person is? I think it's just some dude with a huge crank. Okay. <laughs> All right. And speaking of dudes with huge cranks, um, we had... <laughs> Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. What have you heard? What? Talking about talking about their podcast Renegades, which apparently they just wrapped up the podcast this week. Um, uh, I didn't know that that was like a limited time thing. I thought they were just going to keep on going, and they were, you know, because uh, like you know, a white dude and a black dude just talking with each other and just rapping. That seems like a a, a bottomless pet. Yeah, uh, I I didn't know it was just a limited uh, event either. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I haven't heard it, but I had seen ads for it. Mm-hmm. You know, just just Barrio and Brucey Spree are just you know kicking kicking back and like two renegades do on a podcast on a million dollar platform. Brucey Spree, really? That that's the nickname you're going with? Yep. For for Bruce I, Springsteen. I said it off the top of my head, and I'm not taking it back. Okay. Okay. So we, we this had uh, Chris Redden and uh, Beck Bennett uh, doing their impressions of Barack and Bruce and doing just kind of some bad improv, just yeah, kind of yeah. pointing out that these two guys don't, at first glance, they don't necessarily have a whole lot in common. Yeah, I mean, a part of me is thinking, well, is that by design? Is that like the point of their them making fun of the podcast where they're saying, yeah, they're just two guys talking. There's nothing really interesting about the podcast. So therefore this segment isn't that interesting i don't know i mean i i haven't listened to their podcast i'd heard that they were doing it of course but uh yeah so i don't know if it's like that painful or if it's that sort of bad improv yeah like uh, maybe i'm reading too much into it i don't know i did yeah, I, I, don't know. I mean i will admit i did laugh at the part where uh, i think uh, Bar- uh barry you know chris Red, yeah. who actually does a pretty decent barack Obama. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought Chris Red's Obama was pretty good, and 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 Beck Bennett's Bruce Springsteen was also there. Yeah, and like uh, I think the I think uh, and then they said they would let uh, you know Bar- Barack uh, sort of riff a little bit, and it's him riffing. He's like, "Hey, hey there, Bruce. How you doing?" It's like, "Oh, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing all right. Yeah, doing all right. You, you quarantining and whatnot." It's like, "Yeah, man, I am. Yeah." And then that's when Che's like, "That's it. That's all you're." And then. Yeah. The part I laughed at is when Bruce says, "Oh, you gotta let it breathe, man. You gotta let it breathe." 
Yeah, yeah. I was I was so so on this. Um, yeah, I, I felt like uh, Chris Red's Obama was a lot stronger than Beck Bennett's Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah, Bruce. Yeah, Chris uh, Beck's Bruce was. I mean, I guess it was Bruce Springsteen, but it was. It was like, uh, yeah. Right. This this had the feel of like you know this was thrown at Beck on Thursday. <laughs> and <he was> like, <laughs> Oh, okay. I've got two days to get Bruce Springsteen down. Well, uh, I'll, I'll give it the old college try. <laughs> Listen to Badlands. Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily think of Beck as you know a super strong impressionist. So, uh, I mean, his Mike Lindell's all right. The, yeah, that's dude. true. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not being fair. You're right. He has done some good impressions on the show, but yeah. Bruce, I don't think was one of them. Yeah. Exactly. It, this. Yeah. This part was like all right. It's, a little kind of weak, yeah. Uh, and then next up, we have uh, one of the new, one of the newbies, Punky Johnson, coming mm-hmm. out as a pineapple. One yeah. of the stripper, one of the strippers who was at Paul Pierce's uh, party, the big old, you know, big hullabaloo that got Paul Pierce fired from ESPN. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he had a uh, a party that was broadcast live on Instagram, and it had strippers and stuff. And so they decided to talk to one of the strippers, played by Punky, and she's named. Pineapple. It's it's a way to go. It's a choice. It's a choice. I mean, that's a good stripper name, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, And Uh, and she's just kind of talking about how, you know, Paul Pierce is maybe getting a bum rap because he's giving strippers jobs during a pandemic. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think at one point that they had Pineapple saying, I'll let you know why I should, why I feel like Paul Pierce shouldn't have been fired. And then she wants uh, money for that answer. Mm-hmm. So she asks uh, Che for a, a dollar. And then Che is like, oh, it's a good thing I keep stripper money around with me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then over the course of the segment, she's like, she turns to Che and she's like, yeah, you look familiar. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, I had that party in your apartment. Um, uh, I, I thought this was nice to see Punky get in the showcase because, uh, yeah, she, she's been kind of overdue to have a nice spotlight. Yeah, yeah, no, this is a good showcase for her. Uh, I also liked how she mentioned that, like, uh, Paul Pierce got all the strippers' uh, vaccines. Yeah. And I think Michael Chase, like, oh, you got, what did you get? Like, Johnson and Johnson? And she's like, oh, no, we got uh, Jackson and Jackson. See, because Tito and Latoya, they came out with their own vaccine strand. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Oh, that's a nice little uh, line. But uh, yeah, overall, I thought, I thought it was okay. It's, it's good to see. Uh, one of the newbies get a little bit of shine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then lastly, we had another uh, death segment. Uh, this one was really out of left field. This was because we're coming up on the 109th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. They had Bowen Yang as the iceberg that sank the Titanic. Like, how do you even come up with this idea? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and... Uh, the, as it goes on, like Colin's trying to ask the iceberg questions about the Titanic sinking, and and Bowen's like, um, "These are not the questions we discussed. I'm here to promote my album." Yeah, um, I I just this was so bizarre. I really liked it. Yeah, me too. I thought it was strong. I see. I mean, it's trending a lot. It's going viral, kind of on uh, on the social medias. But yeah, it, I love. It's such a weird idea. And the way Bowen is playing it, yeah, I it's it, I thought this this really worked for me. I, Bowen's like, performance was just wonderful. He really threw himself into it. I mean, and he just 
he he gets aggressive and he's like <laughs> he, he's like blaming the sinking on the Titanic. They're like, hey, they came to me and you know, and they drown in the water. That you know, nobody's canceling the ocean. I mean, yeah, that's a great line. That's, that's that great. great. And I mean, the, the the costume was just kind of wonderfully absurd because he's he's got uh, sort of a Snow White on his face and then the iceberg thing on his head. <laughs> right, and like the way he, he just plays this iceberg as just sort of this person who's just trying to you know pitch their uh, hyper pop EDM new disco Fantasia album. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, there's a lot of layers there. Today. It's just so out there. I I just really liked it. It was just, it was so weird. It was great. Yeah, no, this sketch was a, this was a, it wasn't a sketch, but this was performance was a home run. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm seeing it a lot on uh, Twitter and stuff saying, oh, this should make Bowen like a, a regular player now. Like, he yeah. knocked it out the park. And I'm, I'm, I agree. Like, I thought he was, he, he performed it really strong. It's such a interesting, unique idea. And like the, the the way it was like kind of played and the twist on it, I thought was really interesting. And uh, I don't know, this this was a home run for me. I thought it was really good. Yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, that was it was one of the highlights of the show for me too. Uh, Absolutely. Was, I mean, it was funny material, but but Bowen's performance really just took it up another notch or two. I mean, it was it was great. Right, because I guess he was playing like a kind of like a disco diva or something yeah. like that. But like, it's, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I didn't. I did not see this coming. But like, I mean, I, it's because it's, it's it's not even like it was the hundredth anniversary. It's hundred ninth anniversary. Yeah, it's like it's nothing that's really trending right now. It's no. nothing that's really relevant. But I mean, I literally when I was watching this, I for for a minute I was like getting mixed up as to what year it was. And I was like, oh, it's a shame they didn't do this next year for the one hundredth anniversary. And I was forgetting that it's actually like. 2021 instead of right. 2011 because again pandemic world time has no meaning right <laughs> but, uh, but yeah this was i mean at this like i said slam dunk this was this was fantastic 100 percent, 100 percent. uh and uh, there was also one quick thing that i really liked where uh when they were wrapping it up and they were saying for weekend update you know i'm colin jose and che said and i'm earl simmons good night and I thought that was like a nice little nod he did to DMX, who just uh, passed oh, away. Oh yeah, that was that was DMX's real name. That's that's nice. They they did have a nice uh, title card for DMX uh, late in the show, and right after we can update, they had one for uh, Ann Beats, who was the uh, SNL writer who also uh, she unfortunately passed away this week. Right, right. Uh, she's one of the first female writers of SNL, if I'm not mistaken, or like, yeah, right. You dropped out there. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, like one of the first female writers of SNL, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, I, I think she was the only uh, female writer yeah. when they started out. And she was uh, also a writer on the National Lampoon. Uh, she was played by Natasha Lyonne on the movie A Feudal and Stupid Gesture, uh, that right, we, right. which we reviewed on this show and uh, talked to the writers about that. And uh, yeah, and, and she was also the creator of the TV show uh, Square Pegs, if you remember that from the early 80s. Right, right. It was only on for a season, but like, I mean, she was a strong writer, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a bummer. She will be missed. Yes, yeah. Um, so next, uh, this this one I got a little excited about because they they, <laughs> showed, was, they showed a little, uh, you know, quick uh, cutaway during the commercial break, and then you're, you're seeing like a, a Star Trek esque sketch, and I was like, oh, cool, they're doing a Star Trek parody. 
And it, it's a Star Trek spinoff called Star Charter Andromeda. Right. This is a great set for this one, too. Impressive set, yeah. Um, and they're in, you know, sort of, but not quite Star Trek uniforms, just, you know, close enough so that they can avoid copyright infringement, I guess. <laughs> and the, the ship is heading towards a black hole. And uh, Carrie Mulligan's character of McKenna makes the dumb suggestion about uh, unplugging the ship and plugging it back in again. And everyone's like, no, that's dumb. We're not doing that. And she storms off. Right. And uh, so then it comes out that, oh, yeah, they're they're like the new hires who just graduated from the uh, Naval uh, Starfleet Academy. And then uh, Ego, who's one of the um, crew members, says, yeah, if I, it looks like they're just these like kind of rich white kids who's just learning that the world doesn't revolve around them. Right. Right. Thing. And, and, and Mikey's her friend who, who gets upset about her on her behalf and he like follows her out off the bridge. And then he comes back in and he's just like, this whole place is just literally toxic. Yeah. Mikey <laughs> does some really good acting in this scene. Yeah, like. Mikey was really good in this sketch. I mean, uh, Carrie Mulligan was great too. Um, you know, and they're, they're literally just trying to make everything about them when the ship is like falling into a black hole. Or getting sucked into a black hole. I don't know. I'm not an astronomer. This is why I have a podcast about SNL. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, but uh, I thought it was, I thought that I really got a kick out of the sketch where you know uh, Carrie Mulligan was like kind of I think like uh, she I think, what was it? Um, no, Mikey was saying, oh, I think you owe my friend an apology. Yeah. And uh, Kate, who's playing it, you know, pretty deadpan and straight throughout this. Sketch. Yeah, she's like the first yeah. officer. Yeah, you rarely see that in a Kate sketch, but she's like, no, like. You know, she 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 came up with a dumb idea. We can't use that right now. And yeah, yeah. she was like, "Stop gaslighting me!" Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, and 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 you know, she's just being very very dramatic about it. And and at one point, Bowen's character just goes, "Yeah, no, she she threatens to jump out in space every day. It's it's fine." <laughs> right. And of course, uh, Chloe comes in saying, "You know, she's also one of the uh, the newer hires," and she's yeah. saying. You know, I need to speak my truth. My voice has value. It's just a lot. I don't know. I, I just kind of like the sketch because it, you know, makes fun of in, entitled, uh, well-off uh, young people. A lot of Karens in this sketch. Um, yeah, a lot. Know, Chloe at the end, she's like, you know, she's like, oh, I'm videotaping you. All <laughs> oh, right, Because, like, I think at one point, uh, Kate grabs Mikey's wrist because, like, Mikey was, like, pointing at her. And she's like, no, get this finger out of my face. And she's like, ow, you're hurting me. Yeah. Oh, my God. And there's there's a bit where Mikey uh, Day storms off the bridge. And he, he runs into this this guy in an alien mask. And he just goes, move, Clem. Um, and yeah, was that plan? That seemed like a, like a riff. I, I don't know. I, what I was hoping, I, and I have no idea if this is true, but my finger is crossed that it was under that mask that it was actually production designer Akira Yashimura because he's, <laughs> he's always played Sulu whenever they've done a Star Trek sketch. And I would love it if it was just him under the mask. I have no idea if it was. I haven't seen anything online about it. But I, oh, I hope that was Akira. Oh, shit. Dude, I didn't even think of that. Dude, that would have been next level. That would be brilliant. And, and I also want to give a shout out to uh, Alex Moffat, who's playing like a Data-like crew member. I really liked his performance as just the sort of half-robotic type guy. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I, I was looking through other people's uh, review of this episode, mm -hmm. and uh, the 
uh, one line I thought captured it from uh, Andy Hogland, who we've had on the podcast, who writes for Entertainment Weekly. He said, uh, good critique of privilege and affluent selfishness disguised as being woke. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I like it. And I also liked that they were like making it Star Trek-esque without actually being Star Trek. I thought that was that was kind of neat. Yeah. It's Star Trek adjacent. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, but yeah. so yeah, I, I got a kick out of this sketch. I like. That. Yeah, this is this is a solid sketch. Uh, next, we had another pre-tape uh, lesbian period drama. This was uh, with uh, Carrie Mulligan and and uh, Heidi Gardner as you know some two women in the 19th century who they have the love that dare not speak its name. Right. So uh, basically, it's um, I think it starts as Beck, who's married to Carrie Mulligan. He, she takes his wife to the doctor and she's a like, doctor you need to look at my wife she's she's a bummer yeah and, and they, the doctor says that she needs seagull sounds gray air and long rocky walks right so basically this is a play on a lot of those kind of oscar Beatty indie movies mm-hmm. that kind of you know delve into the topic of uh taboo taboo love yeah forbidden That's love it. Starring two straight actresses who dared not to wear makeup. (laughs) Exactly. Best Supporting Actress nomination, The Wind. Yeah. Um, I I really like this. This was was funny. I thought the performances were good. We had had Kate McKinnon pop up halfway through as like the ex of one of the women who's like, and she's like wearing a tuxedo and. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, I do like, I did like this guy. I like how it kind of hit on all the tropes you see. In movies like this, I mean, they mentioned a few of them, like a Portrait of a Lady on Fire, mm-hmm. Ammonite, and um, you know, there's other movies too, like Disobedience and whatnot. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, there are a lot of that does have like those movies do have a lot of the same beats where you know there's like awkward glances and you know women walking on the beach picking up rocks, <laughs> yes, and yeah, and things like that. Uh, Twelve lines of dialogue in a two and a half hour runtime movie. Yeah, I, I will say though, this sketch had way more than 12 lines of dialogue. Right. So. False advertising. Oh, well, yeah. Point that. off for that. I mean, mm. get get your shit together, SNL. <laughs> sure. Um, I, yeah. Sure. I mean, I'm going to see it, says Lesbian Monthly. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of fun stuff in this one. I thought this was another solid one. Right. And yeah. then, of course, they, they talk about how, like I said, like awkward. There was one part that I missed until I went back and rewatched it again, where they mm-hmm. talk about, look at... The scene that has the most saddest flirting ever. And then it's um, Carrie telling Heidi while they're lying in bed, my mother and dad, my mom and dad died before I was even born. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I didn't catch that the first time. That's that's good. I was like, I, It's a tragic backstory there. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, yeah. And then, of course, they cut to, like, aggressive sex scenes that make you remember, oh, yeah, this was directed by a man. Yeah, which which apparently is a thing in some of those movies. I haven't seen uh, any of the real movies that they quoted, but apparently, like some, they have very explicit sex scenes. And and yeah. like one of the reviews was like, "I liked it because we saw the women's naked backs, which reminded me of the fronts, which are where the boobs are." <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> so I mean, so because I guess like some of these movies, they just they go for uh, more heterosexual titillation yeah yeah hey, the dudes are like hey we got two birds here we gotta show them gotta show them do stuff right guys <laughs> gotta, show them, gotta show the boops and and what have you yeah right, that's right. Right, right but we're already so we're gonna show the backs 
So, yeah. Because we're arty. We're classy we're, like we're that. We're classy like that. Hey, right, guys? Yes. Oh. Hey. Oh. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> uh, go, 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 yeah. go, go, go. Oh, oh, fun times. And speaking of classy, uh, our next sketch is all about class. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, one of our favorites, The War in Words, which is uh, with Mikey Day as a soldier writing home to his wife, who, you know, whenever they have a British actress on the show, this is this is one of their go-tos. It, they, it, you're, you're so right. They did this with Claire Foy. They did this with Phoebe Waller-Bridge again. And yeah. now they're doing it. With uh, Carrie Mulligan. We should have seen this coming. Uh, but I, I saw the, again, I saw this get set up <laughs> beforehand and I was like, oh, yes, of course. Yes. All right. So, I mean, this is this is one where it's a formulaic sketch, but I, I don't mind because it's always so damn funny and the performances are always so damn good. Yeah, yeah. We get the, yeah. I mean, if you've seen the other two uh, War and World sketches, you've seen this one. It, it's kind of the same thing where, uh, Mikey Day writes to his wife back home, you know, my my beloved Martha, blah 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 blah, and then she writes back saying hi, and uh, and then of course it uh, they write back and forth, more correspondence, and it escalates to uh, him asking for something naughty, yes, for for her, from her, and uh, she sends him. Mary, you have sent me cocaine. <laughs> I think again, I think it's Mikey Day that really sells it, just because his. I don't know. He, he's really expressive. Like he, he like is this. so good at at just being incredulous and increasingly outraged and and weirded out throughout by all the bizarre responses he's getting from his wife. Um, right. Like he he mentions that a, a, a friend of his was killed in war. Uh, you know, my my friend Stephen was shot and died in my arms. And and his wife Mary replies, "Well, as long as no one saw you kill him, they can't prove it was you. Trust me, I've been down this road before." <laughs> and then, of course, he goes, "Wait, wait, what? Wait a minute, you've killed him?" Yeah. And then she goes, "Oh no, smart move, blaming a Nazi. People don't seem to like you that much, but the Nazis I met at dinner the other night were delightful." <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... I don't, I don't know. Yeah, this sketch always gets a kick out of me. Like I always yeah. put the smile on my face. I mean, I, like again, I am even not the... sick of the sketch yet. I mean, I I think it still works, and I I think they haven't gone to the well too too much. So yeah, right. it's I... still strong. I think. Yeah, it might be a thing where they might be getting close to doing it a little too much, but they haven't gotten there quite yet. If this is the last one, I think they had a good run. They they got maybe one more of these in them. All right. I can I can see that. Yeah, I felt I did kind of see the the final uh, gag coming where it was the picture in Times Square of the soldier kissing the nurse. You know, I yeah. could they were leading up to that, and I didn't I didn't feel like it was as strong of a conclusion as the sketch deserved. But yeah, I, I could see that. Like, but, uh, but like I still said, loved it overall. Yeah, because you said, "Oh yeah, somebody took a picture of me. It was on a magazine cover." I was like, hmm. I mean, that's yeah. one of the most famous magazine covers. Yeah. They, they seem yeah. to do this uh, like once a year or so, once a season. And uh, I'm always happy to see it, though. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. This absolutely. is this is one that uh, Mikey writes with Streeter Seidel, I believe, right? Uh, that sounds like them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll say yes. <laughs> we'll credit you guys. Okay. Mike. And if there was a, uh, another writer who uh, contributed to this as well... Uh, we like you best of all, writer. We didn't name. Oh, here I got, I got it. Mikey Day, Streeter Seidel, Brian Tucker. 
see, Brian Tucker, he's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's great. Yeah, no, I mean, we have Brian Tucker, yeah. Oh, he's aces. That gets going places. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so, now we're at our final sketch, 10 to 1. Mm-hmm. Let Eggs. This one was written by Celeste Yim. Yeah, oh, Celeste Yim Solo. I was expecting some of their names, but okay, just Celeste yeah. Yim. Way That's to go, it. Celeste. That's all I got here. Um, okay. Um, uh, so this is a school cafeteria. There's an after-school rap group, and they're interrupted by Carrie Mulligan and AD, who keep bringing up hosiery. Yeah, this was an interesting one, because you think it's going to be about this after-school rap group, because you see them dressed in these tie-dyed matching t-shirts, like, and mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're kids who, like, like the bus rhymes and freestyle after school. And then, you, so you think it's about them, but then it takes this turn where... 80 and Carrie Mulligan dress like these are these middle-aged women who dress like from the eighties. Yeah. And then they interject and they're like, Oh, I guess the sketch is about them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and it turns out that they're sales reps for legs. Cause they keep trying to bring the conversation around to pantyhose. Right. <laughs> I believe one of the questions they ask is what brand of smoothing pantyhose does the rap team wear? Yeah. <laughs> and, and they they end up talking about how you know back in the eighties and nineties everyone wanted hairless elegant legs with no toenail. Then came the nightmare horror trends of the early two thousands. I just love the the phrasing nightmare horror trends of the early two thousands. <laughs> it's a great name for a band. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you gonna see nightmare horror trends of the early two thousands? <laughs> exactly. They're opening up a they're opening up a Primus. <laughs> yeah. Uh I I thought this was this was all right. I thought I just I kind of more love the idea that they devoted four and a half minutes of network airtime to this sketch. Yeah, like that I amuses mean, me more than anything that was in the sketch. I think. Yeah, this was so odd. I mean, it was you could tell it was basically the writer, like just I guess maybe was walking through the department store or something like that one day and was thinking, "Hey, how come women don't wear pantyhose anymore?" And then that was the impetus for I, this. I, I was feeling like like Celeste probably like went down a YouTube rabbit hole and was watching old Legs commercials on YouTube or something. I could see that because I remember Legs. I, I remember like, Legs too. They were, they were this brand of pantyhose that came in this big plastic egg. And then that was like their trademark. Yeah. Like I and, remember being a kid seeing like, ooh, cool. <laughs> and I, I don't remember if like my mother ever wore them or if they were just so ubiquitous in in like the 70s and 80s that i was just aware of them that way but yeah oh yeah you know pantyhose they've kind of fallen by the wayside i think yeah i was always hoping to find like candy in them never did yeah yeah like oh a little blatant switch yeah i didn't realize that they came to like 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 how many pairs did they say were in an egg like 24 for eight dollars or something what a value they were like yeah that's or or it was eight for 24 dollars. i i it was one of those two i don't remember yeah it was one of those things but yeah it is one of those things where you're like oh yeah women don't wear pantyhose anymore that's like an old lady thing now yeah and i guess they're they're trying to make a pantyhose make a comeback i yeah i guess women just on mass decided these are more trouble than they're worth. So we're we are not doing this anymore. Yeah. Uh we will wear pants in the winter time or our legs will get cold. That's it. One of those two. But no, with this, no. <laughs> this pantyhose tyranny ends now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, this was an odd sketch. Like like you said. I mean it's I, what you want at 10 to 1. You want yeah. you want the weird stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, the fact that they just, it's basically, the sketch is basically an advertising for, le, le, is it legs or le eggs? They pronounce it both ways. Like, halfway through the sketch, they started saying le eggs, and I don't know. I, I'm now really curious if they still make these. I, I have a feeling. I think they do. I think they do. You probably buy them at, like, Kmart or something. Okay, they're referred to in the present tense uh, on Wikipedia. They were introduced in 1969 by Haynes, which Ooh. radically changed the hosiery marketplace. Changed the game, son. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, oh, oh, they have a they have a section on their Wikipedia called "Pantyhose Decline." Oh, oh. damn. Oh, yeah. You, you hate to hear that. The downfall. Um, uh, around 1991, pantyhose sales started dropping because office workers were adopting a more casual appearance, wearing slacks with high knee knee high hose rather than the pantyhose. Mm. In 1994, after about an 18 percent drop in business, both Legs and Haynes reduced their workforce by 8,300 American employees, cutting oh. their manufacturing capacity by five percent. Oh well, that's oh. not good. Oh my God! I mean, it's not good for the pantyhose people. Yeah. Uh, in 2011, they aired a new advertising campaign, their first since 1996. So. Wow. Um, industry analyst Marshall Cohen was skeptical that the market would grow, though Kate Middleton was a notable wearer of pantyhose. The Kate Middleton? Yeah. Well, there's a link to Kate Middleton's page. So, yes. Wow. Um uh, unfortunately, there is no link to a Wikipedia page of notable wear of pantyhoses, um, mm. which I, I really wish we could have that. I, I want to read that list. I want to hear about notable wearers of pantyhose. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So maybe I don't know. Maybe this this uh, sketch will bring back the uh, pantyhose renaissance. Maybe women will start. Wearing them in offices again. Uh, bank robbers will start wearing them on their heads again. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, this is what we need. This is what we need. I, I really wonder. Does Legs have a Twitter account? <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious now. Oh, what have we done? They do. They are at Legs Brand. Of what, course they are. If they have. Oh, oh, oh no. The tweets are protected. Only approved followers can see Legs Brand tweets. What? <laughs> to request access, click follow. Do you think they went to protected tweets after the sketch last night? I don't. I get maybe. Whoa. Were they on. getting trolled? Oh my god! That's enough. What have you done? Oh oh. Uh, I oh. Does does Rummy Cube have this problem too? This would be the this would be the best thing ever. <laughs> Did SNL put eggs out of business again? I would love that. That would be hilarious. Was this the death kneel of le eggs or legs? <laughs> SNL, what have you done? <laughs> why? Why wouldn't it? It's your brand. Why would your tweets be protected? Yeah, you're not a Kardashian. You're le eggs. God, legs, legs, people! You gotta, you gotta tweet at SNL and show you're you're with the joke, man. Yeah, Sarah Lee did it. Look at look at them. That's you right. Tweet. That's right. Ugh. Uh. So anyway, that was that was the yeah. worst thing they ended up. Yeah. So that, yeah. So that's that's the end of SNL, people. I I love that their tweets are protected. That's so funny. <laughs> Oh, uh, but overall, I, th I thought this was a pretty strong show. 
Yeah, yeah, not a bad show. I like the Kalia episode a little bit better, but you know, I mean, this is definitely better than Maya Rudolph. But yeah, yeah, overall, solid show. Strong opening sketch. Uh, yeah. Strong, uh, strong monologue, and uh, yeah, had a lot of good uh, stuff. I, I, yeah, I thought I thought this this uh, episode it was a really solid uh, one throughout. There weren't any sketches like I outright hated. Um, I yeah, think I think the op- the the cold opener is probably sketch of the night for me or sketch of the week. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that was I thought that was solid. Um, the lesbian period drama I thought was that was strong. good. That was good. Uh, yeah. I, I like Star Trek spinoff. I liked quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, and of course, Bone Yang is the iceberg. I mean, and, and Warren words. I mean, it's always fun to see that. Yeah, this had like this had a lot of good stuff in it. This yeah, was this was I, I think this was definitely the the strongest of the last chunk of three that we saw. I thought this was miles ahead of the uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Okay, yes, Kaluuya. All right, All right but or Kaluuya. Yeah, but either way, this is a this is a good it's a good show. Looks like the show's going in a good direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, has the next few uh, weeks off, and they'll be back in May with the final uh, three episodes of the season. So let's. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. See how they bring it on home. We'll see if yeah. um, to who they get as a host, musical guest. We'll see if the the last three shows, if that's the final batch of shows for any cast members, because um, no Cecily in this uh, show. No Cecily. Uh, no Melissa Villasenor. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, they, no one said that they're gonna you know leave after this season. But I mean, I know we've talked about yeah, but the show kind of need to shake up. So uh, we'll yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I, I, I particularly <laughs> would hate to see uh, Cecily leave because I think she's one of the most talented and versatile people that they have. And you know, I, I feel like uh, Melissa needs to stick around for longer. So I hope I hope them not being in this episode is just happenstance, and it's not it means that they're not long for this world. Right. Oh, I mean, they're not going to die. Well, the show, not not <laughs> for this world. Okay, they're not gonna die. They'll be I'm pretty, around. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Lauren doesn't kill people once they stop being on the show. <laughs> Soylent Green I is. Think he's only done that like twice. Yeah, we. Yeah, yeah. well, we've said too much. We've said oh, too boy. much. <laughs> we said enough. That's me in the corner. So <laughs> let's. <laughs> so let's look at our Twitter account, guys. We got, we, we got some. Uh, we got some responses on this. Um, our friend Bill Brosky says uh, this was mostly a pretty dull episode with stuff we've seen before, but it was nice to see Punky do something on update. And the sketch with Kate and Eighty was another low-key character-based piece written by Treason and Gates, marred only by giggliness per usual. Uh, uh, yeah, there was a good amount of giggly, but it wasn't. And it wasn't yeah. overly giggly, I don't think. And yeah, yeah I, I saw eighty start to break, but she covered well. Right. Um, Bill goes on. He says, "But do Kate and eighty really need to be developing? Uh, but do Kate and eighty really need to be developing new recurring characters now of all times? Also, slightly a ripoff of Pen Fifteen and XSNLer Nassim Parad's own Chad." Um, uh maybe but yeah i mean i don't know if those things own you know women playing young boys yeah that's yeah. that's not i feel that's like that's that. that's a broad enough trope i don't know i haven't i haven't watched either of those shows so i don't really know how much overlap there is between them so yeah I, no. I hesitate to call something a ripoff just because it has a similar premise you know yeah it's i think it's fine uh um, so we got 
Um, he, he talks a little more. He says, despite oh. it being a recurring thing, I still enjoyed the old-fashioned punchline jokiness of the war with words sketch. It's almost like a textbook John Cleese Graham Chapman Python sketch. Yeah, I could see that being on Python. It could be yeah. stud- studied alongside the parrot sketch. Yeah. Uh, Legs was a stereotypical 10 to 1 sketch. Not really funny, but weird. Um, yeah, I, I don't agree with you on everything, Bill, but yeah, that's some good insights there. Yes, right. We, we, we've heard you and we, we listen and we respect your opinion. Yes. Even uh, when you're wrong. Yes. <laughs> Even when you're clearly, clearly wrong. Yeah. Uh, so we also got a tweet from uh, Mike at M-I-K-E-E. Uh, best episode of the last three weeks. And I thought, not sure why we needed another. What's wrong with this picture, though? Uh, sh- shrug emoji. Weekend update was strong again, and I enjoyed Bowen's bit. I always wonder why they repeat war in words, but I always end up laughing. I guess that's why. I'd say that's as good a reason as any. Uh, yeah, we got our good friend Ruby the Rube saying, I'm glad the Titanic sank since it brought us Bowen's update piece 109 years later. <laughs> And, uh, that's, that's a great observation. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. old uh, college roommate, uh, Scott Hume at MN, uh, MNS Hume, uh, says, as a Twin Cities resident, the white anchors on the cold open hit very close to home. They actually looked and acted a lot like the two weeknight anchors on our NBC affiliate who were quite problematic during last summer's riots. Oh, boy. Well, sorry to hear that, but it's cool that they were accurate. You um, <laughs> got and he says, uh, Chris Red did a better Obama than anything we got in eight years of the Obama presidency. Uh, I thought Jerry Farrow's Obama was pretty good. Farrow was okay, but yeah. yeah Armis- Fred Armisen's Obama never really sent me, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's, I guess it's not his fault, because, I mean, he that was when, this, when the uh, cast was pretty white, and he was, like, the closest to, you know, brownish they had, so they were like, yeah. hey, you, you want to do it, Fred? And then, like, it just got kind of tossed in his lap. But yeah, but yeah, and, he, he uh, never quite nailed it. And uh, Angela Burkis, uh, Burkis at Jizz on My Toes. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is their handle, Jizz on My Toes. Um, what are you about to read? Says very interesting. A <clears throat> podcast about SNL exists. Only one, or are there others? No, um, we're it. We're it. Yep. Nope. We're the only one. They're, they're literally the only one. <laughs> Don't bother to look. We're it. Nope. Don't Google. <laughs> Says, I thought this uh, episode was funny, except the flute skit. Uh, do you like what Pete Davidson has been doing, or are the music videos getting old? Um, they're maybe getting a little predictable. Yeah. They're, they're pretty formulaic at this point. Where Yeah. He, We've seen a lot of them. But... I mean, they're, they are catchy. They're catchy little tunes, but yeah. as far as them being funny, it's... Uh, mm, they're okay. They're hit and miss for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, if um, I mean, there are times where he's able to find a new take on it, like uh, when he did the stew video with the the Santa Claus. Like I thought that was like a, you know, the Eminem stew stand video. I thought that was a a fresher take on it. But like he he doesn't for the most part the Pete Davidson rap videos are kind of go the way of the little flute where it's kind of kind of one note. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, did we mention that the uh, the iceberg uh, segment was uh, co-written by Anna Driesen and Bowen Yang? Uh, we did now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She she tweeted uh, genuine stupid joy to write this impossibly stupid, uh, but with Bowen Yang, who is the Celine Dion of comedy, he delivers. 
that's that's high praise. I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure in Anna's mind, that's high praise. I, I, I would put him several notches above Celine Dion. But yeah, when I mean, if if Bone Wing, if Bone Yang does like stand up or wherever he goes, like when people introduce him, he should be brought up to stages and introduced into rooms as the Celine Dion of comedy. That's yeah, sure. That's that's, that's what you want. That's how you address me. <laughs> I mean, I I would listen to his uh, his rendition of the Titanic theme, and and I'm just now realizing that she made the Celine Dion comparison because well, Titanic. Uh huh. Yeah, uh-huh. successfully driven that song out of my head, and now Anna, you put that back in my head. So God, that thank song you was for that. That song was everywhere. That, oh, that was omnipresent. It was like obnoxious how much it was just everywhere. You know, I've never seen Titanic all the way through. What? Yep. Uh, yeah. It was. It was one of those things that that movie got like so damn popular it became like an act of defiance not to see it. But it was also so omnipresent uh, that I could do a pretty fair job of summarizing the movie. Exactly. Like I, I think I saw the whole thing once. Yeah, but I don't. But I know enough about it from you know seeing it you know in videos and clips everywhere. I know. Yeah. Pretty, I, I got the gist of it. I know. I, yeah, I just I know the movie through cultural osmosis. At exactly. This point. Exactly. But like, like seeing I, it would be redundant. Exactly. It's. Uh, I mean, I could either watch that or I could watch, you know, uh, you three know, fourths uh, of the Snyder cut. Exactly. I could watch that. I could watch a Who Framed Roger Rabbit again for the fifth. Well, the, hey, there you go. I mean, yeah. I think the choice is clear. I mean, come on. It's a talking rabbit that, whose bow tie spins. That's right. I mean, how can you compare the two? Yeah. You know, plus Christopher Lloyd, Bob Hoskins. My God. Charles Fleischer at his height? Joanna Cameron? Uh, that other guy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mickey Mouse? Yeah. Rest? WK? Yeah. WK's in it? Um, others? Betty Boop? Betty Boop. Uh, Woody Woodpecker's in it there somewhere? Uh, You know, Daffy Duck and Donald Duck doing a little piano Battle of the Bands thing. Oh, dude, that was hilarious. Uh, Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny parachuting together for some reason, because I guess that's a thing they do. Baby Herman? You got a baby chewing a cigar? Baby Herman. He's he's got a 50-year-old passion and a a four-year-old dinky. Yeah, he sexually harasses a woman and slaps her in the behind. Exactly. That's that's a great comedy. Entertainment. I saw that when I was 11, and I, <laughs> I think about it now. I was like, oh, that's kind of... Oh, I that. probably should not have seen that. <laughs> I saw it's that with PG my dad. Though, right? It's PG, yes. I remember yeah, my dad... It has to be PG. How do you make a Roger Rabbit and not make that PG? Like, I remember I saw that. My dad took us to see that, me and my sister, and I think my cousins, too. And, like, for the after that movie came out, for the longest time, I thought that was, like, the greatest movie I'd ever seen. Like, not, not that I'd just seen, but... America had ever that, seen. That like, anyone I, anywhere had ever seen. Yeah, I was like, we're not going to be able to make a movie as good as this ever again. This yeah, is it. No. And, and I, I think history bears you out. Yeah, I, I, think, I, yeah. I think I called that. I think, I think the story checks out, yeah. Yeah, like I went out and I got like a Roger Rabbit t-shirt from Sears and everything. It was, mm-hmm. I was like, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? I mean, my God, that movie is just, that, warms, yeah. that movie warms my heart. Yeah, yeah. I, time to revisit who framed Roger Rabbit. I was trying to think of the way we could do it on a podcast, but I don't think we can. 
Oh. I don't think there's any direct SNL connection. Um, so probably mm. not. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it, Jim. You know, maybe uh, unless we really wanted to stretch the definition of our podcast at the actual <laughs> loot limit and do like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing. <laughs> well, Christopher Lloyd was on Taxi with Andy Kaufman. Who was on SNL? Well, there you go. Okay. Well, so There's... obviously, and 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 hey, who was to say that the late Andy Kaufman wasn't in Who Framed Roger Rabbit somehow? Right. So, guys, we're, basically, we're going to do Who Framed Roger Rabbit next episode. <laughs> That's what we're saying. That's a roundabout way of That's saying right. doing Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. We we won't, but we want to, is what we're saying. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all right, so that's the episode. And, uh, I mean, as far as what's going to happen next week, I guess we're still kind of figuring it out, but we're, we're, we're discussing it. Yeah. We have options. Yeah. We got, uh, we got prospects. We, we got have prospects. options. The, the emails are going back and forth. Things are happening. People are talking. Emails Things are making are, sense. We got irons in the fire, baby. Things burning, blazing, uh, flazing, schmazing. Yeah. We're flazing. We're flazing. <laughs> Oh man, I think I need to lie down. I'm I'm just yeah babbling. yeah no it's you got you got to lie down. You got to rest up for that vaccine next week. Damn straight. And uh, yeah, so guys, that's our episode. Uh, we'll let you know what we do next week. We'll we'll put it out there. And or maybe we f- won't. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll just put it out there, and you just have to listen to it. And no matter what it is, just give us a leap yeah. of faith. Come on, yeah, we've, we've done 132 of these episodes. Don't we deserve a little faith by this point? Yeah, we After know all what we've doing. done for you. You got to be like George Michael. You got to have faith. Exactly. Well, I guess it would be. What's nice a perfect circle? If I could touch your butt. What? <laughs> Dana Carvey. Oh, got it. Yeah. Well done. Well done, sir. Now, to its power, or it will destroy you. Very nice. Wow, dude. That's why. That's why you're the maestro. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can follow me at Darren Credible. That's D A R A N Credible. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Trumbull Comic. That's T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L and the word comic. You can also follow our show page at SNL Nerds Show. And again, we are the only SNL podcast Twitter account. No other we're ones it. out there. Nope. Yep. We're it. We're the we're the last man standing. Don't even only game to, in town. That's right. Don't bother to look into that at all. Just mm-hmm. just trust us. Go on faith, as we said before. That's correct. That's correct. And, uh, you know, check out the other shows on the uh, Nonproductive Network. And, uh, hey, please, support us on Patreon. Give us a rate and a review on the podcast app of your choice, because that really does help us out. And always tell a friend, retweet, all that good stuff. Yeah, put the word out. Help, help, us, help us make this little uh, baby grow. This little mom and pop operation. We, w- we want it to grow into a massive conglomerate. Right. That's right. We're looking to sell out at the drop of a hat. So help us do that, please. Yes. All we want out of life. So, all right. Well, we'll be back next week with something else. But until then, nerd out! This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.